I think I I think that's the reason why it's called Orlando International Airport. Well, it's because Scotty. It's a, it, the, that's the biggest city. It's near. It's not no, like no jackass. It's because it's within the city limits. The Sanford Airport is called the Sanford Airport because it's in fucking Sanford. I'm fairly sure I lived right outside the Sanford Airport. <laughs> you lived almost an hour and a half north of the city. Never mind. It was a different airport, but I lived by a garbage airport. Yeah, it's Orlando. It's Jeff Fuqua Boulevard, Orlando, Florida. If it wasn't, it wouldn't be named Orlando. They would name it, like, LaGuardia's name. Like, yeah. for fuck's sake, man. What are you fucking talking about? This is a wrestling podcast. This is airport talk with the... With, <laughs> welcome to Flight Boys. God damn it. Airplanes. To be and- fair, you walked right into that, Blake. Like, <laughs> as soon as you said that... <laughs> Welcome to Fight Boys. It's a show about professional and not so professional wrestling. I am your host, the man who's all about whiskey business, Scotty Moore. I'm not drunk enough for this. It's me, Blake Tanner. Just keep sipping, just keep sipping, sipping, sipping. I'm the sober person that has to deal with these assholes, the Dylan. Hey, bud, what's up? <laughs> hey, welcome back. How did you? How was your week off? It was it was great until I heard how bitchy the two of you were in my absence. I t- I fucking I wrote New Japan content into the show for you. I right here's sure- the thing. Here's the thing. It's the bit where you think New Japan is my whole purview of wrestling. <laughs> well, that's I the d- bit that's insulting. I did scream a lot that's like about thinking that. That's like thinking that Chad Gable's entire wrestling career is about basketball shorts. That's legitimately <laughs> what you just did to me, you ginger son of a bitch. I mean, eh? I I'm got gonna leave at, your ass in Lakeland. I got mad at Goldberg real, real good. I thought that brought some good Dylan energy. Was me screaming for a few. That that was expected though, because like that's. There's nothing that, that you had to get mad at that. That was something that was so universal to everybody that everyone got mad except for Vince, who was beating off all of those dollars with a stick. <laughs> yeah. Well, WWE continues to be disappointing this week in multiple ways, even after Goldberg. They were just like, hey, we we did a big disappoint here. Let's do a bunch of little disappointments in the following week. That way people will forget about Goldberg. For instance, we'll finally reveal what's in Eric Rowan's cage. You know, this great mystery. And I understand. Honestly, actually, I don't know. Could you please refresh me? Because that started so long ago that I forgot. Well, Eric Rowan, former WWE Tag Team Champion, former tough for daniel bryan just started bringing, relevant wrestler just started bringing a fucking cage to the ring and squashing dudes and then one time he put his hand in the cage and it bit him and also the cage made mojo raleigh shit his pants when he looked inside of it well this week they went but i do like it because at the end of the day they could have just dropped it as a storyline and we would have all forgotten about it. But they were like, well, you know, let's let's do follow through. We haven't been good on that. Let's do follow through. And the way they followed through was with a fucking animatronic spider. You could get it like KB Toys. And he just pulls it out and is like, hey, 
I got a spider. Look at me. I'm fairly sure KB Toys went out of business many years ago, but I'd just like to point out, does that make Eric Rowan Hagrid? (laughs) Dude, yes. He's WWE's Hagrid. And then all of No Way Jose and his posse just ran away screaming because they're like, oh, no, an animatronic spider. So here's the thing. He's literally just Victoria from her TNA run. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. um, Speaking of, Dylan, since you're around the Universal area, how is Eric Rowan's motorbike adventure going down there? I've heard it's been very good. No response. Awesome. On to Randy Orton. (laughs) Oh, man, hold on. I just gotta... If you listen really closely, you can hear the sound of, like, the last of his patience breaking. As he's just, like, quietly mumbling, just like, the fucking Atlantic Ocean isn't how you get to Japan, Scotty. I swear to God, I'm gonna kill you when you get to Orlando. Oh, no, no, I'm just going to take you 50 miles out and drop you into the Atlantic Ocean so you can try to swim to Japan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you I, make I, it to Japan, you'll survive. I'll go to WrestleMania, and then, you know, Warhorse will carry me back on his big, strong back. He's just, you look outside your window, and you're like, what the fuck is that? And it's just a dust cloud as Warhorse is running down the street at us. I can't wait until you go to that show and you realize how short Warhorse really is. Oh, no, Warhorse is a is a small man, but he's a he rules ass, and that's all that matters. He once got a turnbuckle. That's a, that's a very odd kingdom to rule, ass. Like, of all the kingdoms, just... Well, the former Ass Kingdom was led by Matt Taven, so now there's the new Ass Kingdom that's led by Warhorse. Uh, that's a terrible also- kingdom to take over. That's a that's a that's a that's a that's an Ass lineage. It's slowly getting worse. Like it was Adam Cole, then Matt Taven, and now Warhorse. You're right. It's just going farther and farther down the hill in production. Look, did fucking Matt Taven ever team with the Ascension? I think not. Oh, good to know that Matt Taven had taste. (laughs) I shit my pants when I was like, oh, fuck, it's Connor time, baby, he's back. Do you know how how long of a discussion this set off to the point that Scotty was pulling out all of his fucking tricks to get Dylan to do this thing? No, 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 no. With, With that, I was like, I don't know. I could probably maybe wear Dylan down. The only real trick I pulled was when I said, well, we could get a hotel and go to the beach tomorrow, which I even blatantly said, that's Blake bait. That's to get Blake in on this. I was having no part of this. <laughs> Here, here's the thing, is I would have refused to do it, and I wasn't going to drive back the next fucking morning. But... Oh, no, you can go to it. <laughs> I'm just going to be shitty to you the whole time you're here. That's the trade-off. That Fuck. doesn't sound any different than normal, though. Oh, no, no, no. Normally when Scotty is here, like, we have... This is normally... This is normally just, like, like a work. <laughs> uh, it's going to become very shoot once he once you guys touch down here in a couple weeks. Are we going full chair shot to the head and everything? I mean, yeah. I have metal chairs in my garage. But basically, Blake, the best way to describe Dylan is uh, Josh Syndrome. When you're around Dylan and hanging out, he's awesome. And then he's just an asshole whenever you're not near him. It is a work, 100%, but holy fuck. Blake and I get along just fine. We do. <laughs> as, until I start drinking too much. No, no, you're fine then, too. You're just kind of adorable. Um... <laughs> 
Well, speaking of chair shots to the head, I would like to say I was right about Randy Orton. I was right about that storyline, and they revealed it in the best possible way, which is Randy Orton looking Edge's beautiful wife, Beth Phoenix, in the face and saying, I love Edge more than you or your daughters, and then RKOing the fuck out of her. That's fine. I'll get another heel for this week. Oh, was it? I'm so sorry. You don't know that you don't read the notes for your own fucking show. (laughs) I update it, I put in all my shit, and then it's done. I'm good. Oh, as a matter of fact, you put my baby face in here in the notes as well. (laughs) Gonna take him out, and you're not gonna realize who it was. I fucking heel of the week for Blake Tanner this week, Scotty Moore. No, I think I've already done that one. No, I've I've made my own self the heel of the week before. Oh, okay. Um, well, speaking of, I, I did see a good argument for Goldberg earlier, and it made me very, very mad that someone was able... Because it was the same thing I felt when I watched hmm. the Paul Heyman video, where Paul Heyman's doing nothing but talking about, like, this is why Goldberg needed to win against Kevin Owens and all that. But I'd, I'd like to hear that, yes. But there is a new argument coming from a... Fuck, god damn it, I knew it. I fucking knew it. What are you talking about? Scotty, have you ever noticed that, like, the common theme of, like, frustration and anger here isn't Blake or I, it's completely you? Well, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I just wanted to talk about this thing where... Welcome to Talking Back, the official Ryback response podcast. And it's talk. It's Ryback, and he's talking about the Roman-Goldberg match at Mania, which we'll get into a little bit more later. But Ryback talks about it and says this. In Vince's head, he could be thinking, Roman might get heat for beating The Fiend, and people will turn on Roman if they do that match at Mania correct but they don't give a fuck about bill and they'll get bill internet heat ryback said of goldberg defeating the fiend this is how they operate they'll let bill have the moment and get the internet heat and then have roman save the day by taking the title off bill in vince's eyes that then makes roman the savior and oh by the way i forgot this was a ryback segment i just wanted to talk about this because i was like okay it is a good argument and then i remembered oh fuck ryback said this guess i gotta do this mm-hmm. you gotta d- this whole fucking thing for the ryback it's i don't even love the point he's making because it doesn't it, it doesn't make it better for me it just makes it like understandable because that's the way vince sees the world no no, no. it's like the old chris rock routine about murderers it's like i I wouldn't do it, but I understand. <laughs> I get it. I understand where you go. I wouldn't do it personally. That wouldn't be my decision, but I understand. I understand. I have three dead people in my basement, but I understand. But I, I get it. I understand. So, yeah, I'm I'm not fine with it, but it is probably, like, because he would have definitely got booed if they did Fiend versus Roman at Mania. Yes. But, in, in, instead, they just killed a large portion of the momentum for Wrestlemania. He's he's still gonna get booed though, isn't he? Yes. Rom- Roman? Not against not against Goldberg. At this point with you all the fucking completely fi- underestimate the mark ratio at Wrestlemania. Well, usually they're in the stands higher up. It's the Smarks that are down in the lower bowl and they get the False. they get the their Smarks feelings. can't afford that. 
<laughs> Dylan's like, trust me, I know I am one. I'm their leader. I'm aware. Goldberg will get a pop. Maybe Roman will too. But like, you need to understand. You remember how big like of a pop Goldberg got against Lesnar? Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. going to do the full entrance at Mania. He's going to be bleeding by the time he enters the stadium. Like, he's going to start somewhere in Ebor, walk with his <laughs> fucking people all the way to the stadium with his police escort. He's going to ride one of those electric scooters that you can get for public transport all the way there, surrounded by police motorbikes. He's going to ride it up one thing, fucking... Uh, fucking do like a whip around, ride it down the WrestleMania entrance ramp, go in, spear Roman, one, two, three, retain the title. Um, also, the fact that Roman Reigns got this title shot by walking into the ring, being like, I want a title shot, Goldberg. Okay, we'll do it at Mania. That's it. That's fucking, that's it. Everyone else has to ever, number one contender, CM Punk had to beat four people to face The Undertaker. Fucking yeah. Roman Reigns can just walk in. Fucking Fiend doesn't even get a rematch. Yeah. Well, that's because the Fiend has his own things going on right now. But speaking of great, great things, which none of that was, so I don't know what the fuck this segue is. There is finally a return happening in WWE that I am excited about. Fucking good, brother. And it's the return of fucking Southpaw Regional Wrestling, baby. Chet. Chet, it is Lance Catamaran. We need you. That Get was your ass up. That was the shocking, most shocking part about it to me, is I was thinking, like, okay, they can't keep Cena now that he's a big, famous, Fast and the Furious movie star. Who would they get to replace him? And then the trailer started, and it was immediately like, Chet? Chet, are you there? I'm like, oh, fuck. They got Cena back? They, the only Southpaw, thing is- Southpaw can probably knock out its filming schedule in a day. Especially for John, like 100%. But, like, the thing is, they've lost a fair majority of the original cast, because Rhino left, who was the Butcher. They've No one cares about Pelvis Wesley, so Heath Slater. I mean, I guess, I, I don't know, man. The you, thing now is, like, it's probably, like, it's, it, this obviously takes place after, this is a sequel, straight up to the original Southpaw series. So everything's going to be changed. Yeah, John Johnson's gone. The surfer dudes with attitude are gone. Clint Bobsky, nowhere to be seen. What if Clint Bobsky comes back, though? That's impossible. I I think they're honestly doing it in the 90s, which means now they're taking the piss out of a completely different era of wrestling, which I'm going to very much enjoy. It's going to be very good. Listen, if... Listen, if... If... Chad Too Bad doesn't show up, then what's the point of this? Oh, yeah. I don't get to hear I don't get to hear Carl Anderson's wheezy ass laugh throughout all of this series. It's a complete waste of my time. Who yeah. on the roster uh who's on the roster now that you want to see make an appearance in Southpaw? Uh I'd really like to see the New Day get a more extended version yeah. of it, especially with their they did their creepy voodoo thing and then their opponents were just like, "Dude, what the fuck?" Dude, what the fuck? No, no, we quit. We forfeit. Okay, bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. No, we're leaving. Bye. Uh, I want to see. I want to. I want to see Shorty G. I want to see that in there. Yeah, I would like to see Miz and Morrison as an American males ripoff. I want to see them do some bullshit like that, where it's just close ups on Morrison's abs and bullshit like that. That'd be pretty good. Uh, 
I'm, I'm into it. I'm ready to see it. And also props, of course, to them releasing the trailer on Leap Day. Yeah, lethal, lethal leap year, baby. Um, I, I do also have to say, fuck, Dylan was right again. Because a few, this had to have been months back, probably about the beginning of the AEW NXT quote-unquote war, where Dylan was like, they can't keep this up. It's gonna stagnate after a while. It's there. It's 110% there. Because the beauty of AEW is every week, you're not gonna see the Christopher Daniels Dark Order shit every single week on TV. You're not gonna see Statlander every single week. It's a rotating cast with a few regulars. NXT, every week, you're going to see Keith Lee come out and argue with one of four people. You're going to see Undisputed Era versus Velveteen Dream, Tommaso Ciampa, or you're just going to see Johnny Gargano. It's the same shit every single week. Every time I, because I'll check it while watching AEW, like, okay, let's see what's happening on NXT. Is this last week's synopsis? Because I'm fairly sure all this, because it's just repeating. That's it. Mm-hmm. Told you. No. Yeah, I mean, it's... To to be fair, AEW does have Dark, so they're able to do more with that, Mm -hmm. um, which is really cool, and I'm excited about... Yeah, uh, because you can bring recaps of Dark back, and you can talk about what happened on Dark, and... Like, it's like Scotty said, they they have a big enough roster, and they've got enough storylines. They're able to get enough storylines going that, like, you can rotate them out each week. So, you're keeping them fresher for longer by having to build, like, every other week. Yeah. Except Whereas, like, like, your main event scene is usually building every week, but in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Or even, like, with Jericho... The build-up to Moxley-Jericho didn't have Moxley and Jericho arguing every week. You would also have shit like Jungle Boy come out and challenge. Or you would have Scorpio Sky come out and challenge. You would have stuff to kind of break up the storyline to keep it entertaining, as opposed to it being the same shit every week. Where it's like, yeah, when it began, you had this big inciting event where... Jericho just stabbed Moxley's eye out, and that was the whole thing. Mox went away for a bit, and then he came back as an avenging angel. B- yeah. By the by, the way, uh, I also called him taking the eye patch off in the match. In the best fucking way possible, too. Just pulling back the eye patch and blood dripping out of it, and then being like, oh, I can see, by the way. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool, I guess. It's like, ah, oh, I was just hiding it from you, bud. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Solid mocks. I, I do love Jericho this week on AEW. Was just like I can't believe it, Moxley. You won under under lies, under fivic. You you could see the whole time, and I wait, was waiting for Mox to be like, yeah, but you still fucking stabbed me. Like, you still stabbed me in the eye. It's not like that didn't actually happen. I just healed up earlier. Jesus. It's like yeah, I got a complete eye replacement, dude. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way. Shooter gave me one of his eyes. I, I thank him every day. <laughs> by the way, Moxley's promo to close out Revolution was the best thing ever because Moxley didn't have anything prepped. And so he's just walking around the ring doing the promo he did on uh, Dynamite this week. Just being like, uh, this is not my belt. This is your belt. And um, yeah, guys, we need to go drink some beers. And we ride. It's beer time. Okay, and then his music starts playing, and he looks back at him, and he's blatantly, on pay-per-view, just goes, what the fuck? And then the music guy, just like, what the fuck? He's like, I had more to say, I just don't know what I'm gonna do. I just don't know. (laughs) You know who doesn't, you you know who doesn't have problems with promos? Uh, Jake Roberts, even though he's like 65. Holy shit. 
he started he started talking and I was like that's right I had forgotten that it's the graveliness in his voice it was everything about that segment was so like amazing yet disrespectful and I swear to god if he doesn't bring out the tag team of Archer and Brody Lee and their entire and their entire gimmick is just fuck you bye <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my favorite part about it is he's kind of in the same place that Roddy Piper was right before he passed, which is when he comes out for a promo, you're like, is he just about to go on a crazy ramble or is he about to just fucking nail it? And I was like, the whole time, like, is he going crazy? And then he looked at Cody and was like, I'm fucking sick and tired of hearing you bitch and moan. And I went, okay, it's going to be good. This is going to be a good one. Okay, let's go. I'm I'm uh, so excited. Was... They have they have so many segments building up. There's the continuous dark order thing, which I thought was gonna happen this week and it didn't, I was disappointed. But instead I got Jake and like probably Lance Archer. Uh yeah. and then the... you you have that continuing fucking uh... although I will say the weirdest part of the promo was when he was like, I work for the dark side. And I'm like, was he supposed to say dark order and fucked it up and now he's just at a completely different angle? But no, no, it's it's probably Archer, I'm thinking. Because he said client. He didn't say client. I think he's doing Archer. Uh, I've heard that uh, him managing a tag team of Archer and Brody Lee would be Well, Brody, also, Brody uh, is, his 90 days is up Saturday, so he's good next week. Uh, and I th- and I think it's that the they're coming to the city near him next week, I'm pretty sure. I don't 100% remember. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think they're waiting for like the hometown pop. Yep. This, oh, yeah. It's going to be the good. hometown pop, but he's going to be a bad guy. It's going to be amazing. Um, yeah, I'm down well, with it. By the by the way, the uh the other great thing is the continual amazingness of Hangman Adam Page, including his six star tag team match at Holy Dynamite. Shit. Fucking good. And yeah, yeah. So uh, at this moment, as of that match, uh every member of the elite has had a five star or better match. Um Hangman, oh, yeah, Hangman yeah, yeah. was the last person because he got none of the chances for it. Uh, so they had to do it in the tag team. I mean, this is, this is the best way to build Hangman up. Like, I, I, I said it last week, but I'm still just in awe of how good they were at pulling a 180 and just, like, redoing his character completely. Just in, he, just cowboy shit, man. And the sheer pop he gets any time, like, this week on Dynamite, when he just stumbles to the ring, the entire crowd's like... Fuck yes, it's him! I do. I just and love then, the bit where he puts the beer on the ring post, like stumbles yeah. back, and then and then just turns it on and beats everybody. They try to throw him out of the ring. He's like, oh, oh, uh, just kidding. Buckshot lariat, come in, drink beer, come in, beat people down. Buckshot lariat, flip off Matt Jackson, collect five of uh, five different beers, leave. Yeah, it's the greatest. Oh. My the favorite... only thing he's missing at this point is glass breaking in his entrance music. Uh, no, my favorite was on Twitter the following day when he went, people really out here give, giving me like a hundred dollar worth of beers. Y'all wild. <laughs> I love Fuck. him. I love him so much. Oh, speaking of another great promo that um, wasn't televised, but it was uh, a moment where Orange Cassidy spoke. Oh, fuck. Did he? What? Yeah, it was a it was a dark promo, um, but uh, I think it was Chuck just handed him the mic. He just tapped it a little bit, and everybody just fucking going wild. And he says, "Hello, 
I'm freshly squeezed orange Cassidy. And then he introduced everybody else, and it was just really, it was a really fucking good moment. Dude, it's like Dude, when Chucky, and- Chucky T's match, from the bit that I could see of it, like, he's, he did well. I'm really, yeah. I'm really happy, because this whole time, like, I know he lost, and, like, he has the worst record, but, like, he did, like, like I'm, I'm just glad that they let him do something. Yeah. I popped when he hit that awful wall. Oh, dude, I thought that was, I, I saw that, and I was like, did he fucking, I knew he didn't win the match, but I was like, did he win the match? Yeah, I'm watching that, I took this brief moment of being like, I wonder if people who just got into Dynamite and don't know anything, I wonder if they appreciate Chuck Taylor as much as everyone else does, because, like, looking at it out of context, Chuck is not emanating the sheer amount of charisma and enthusiasm he had on the indies, so I'm like, um... I mean, I wonder. He, he, he did every time he did commentary, and then they got Taz there, and they didn't really need him anymore, because after that rotation, they were like... Can we get Taz every week for Dark? Okay, Taz no, we're like, done. Yeah, we're brother, done. I we're, can do we're, it. We're done. We're done. No, this is perfect. Yeah, you're, you're good, bud. Um, another great thing, you know what I can't wait for in AEW is um, now they have officially freed the delete. Oh fuck, that entire Dude, promo. That video. Well, because mm. Matt's in the same camp that the Bucks are, and it's actually I, I like I w- listened to the AEW podcast with Cody this week, and he goes, "The beauty of the Elite is the fact that you've got me, who likes to book things an old school way. You've got Kenny, who does his thing, and then you've got the Bucks, who are just good at teasing shit and really likes to break the fourth wall. And I, Matt's kind of in that same camp. He loves that kind of. I like how teasing I like how break- Kenny, Kenny does his thing. I like how they just. I don't know if they're shit talking, but they're just like I really don't know how to describe what the fuck he does. I mean, he got us, he got, yeah. a, he got, he got arguably the best tag team match ever to happen, and like I don't, yeah. The best way that I can put it is Kenny is anime shit like personified. Yeah, but he he does it in like a way where like it translates realistically. Like, every one of his things, it's not just like, oh, they fucking, like, it's not like Roman Reigns, John Cena, like, oh, this bullshit. You're just like, oh, fuck, like, he's, like, like they're somehow channeling, like, experience you've had, it's like, you, yeah, you gotta dig deep and feed trigger some person in the face so they, until they <laughs> pass out. You gotta, gotta dig deep for it. But, but yeah, Matt's the same kind of guy, he's perfect at that kind of role, so the whole time I saw him doing it, I was like, oh, this is gonna end with a big T. And yeah, this was the video that Matt released earlier, now that he's officially been, uh... Yeah. And so I was like, oh, they're gonna release a tease, they're gonna say something cute or funny or fourth wall breaking, and that's how it's gonna end. And then Matt Jackson just pimps out of the car, and I went, oh, I mean, mean, Nick Jackson was also there, I need you to not forget Merch Freak. Well, yeah, I think Matt was the first one to be seen, though, so that was the moment I went, oh, oh, okay, oh, shit, okay, alright then. I was, I mean, everybody popped for this, but just hearing Matt say, bucks of youth. I knew you'd come. Yeah. It was so mm. good. That's sexy. <laughs> Fuck, okay. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, sexy, fucking war games, baby, war games. And my favorite is the Blood and Guts preview where they're like, it's two, it's two rings and there's a cage above it. We don't have to say the rest. You know what's going on. Blood and guts. Do they, do they, wait, do they do like the, like, I didn't see that. Is it like the old school war games cage where there's a ceiling? 
Yes. That's, oh, it's a dude. Ceiling. That's the only thing yeah. I. That's the only thing I liked but didn't like about the current war games is like the ceiling was part of it because like, like you could do almost the uh, the hell in a cell some of the spots for it because like unlike old war games they're probably gonna have it more than fucking ten feet up. So yeah, because you know technology. So that'll probably be really. Oh, it's gonna be so fucking cool. I know it's gonna be probably be inner circle versus. John Moxley and a, a like an assortment of crazy people. Maybe like Moxley, Darby, Jurassic Ex- not Darby, Moxley, Jurassic Express. Mar- Moxley, Darby, uh, Janella, and then who, who who's the craziest tag team? That's Babyface. Um, uh, hmm. Fuck, I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of options here, really, to build that perfect team. I was just going to do Jurassic Express because they've been hanging out at ringside. Like, they were at ringside for all the Inner Circle matches. Like, if you guys are going to try some shit, we're going to come out in Jurassic Express, your ass. So so we want Marco Stunt to die. That's literally what you just told me, is you want Marco Stunt to actually die. Yeah, we're going to have to get him to die. I mean, if yeah. If he dies, he dies. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think um, I'm really looking forward to it. Do you think the leader of the Dark Order will be revealed before or during Blood and Guts? I give it I give it either next week or the week after. It'll be on Dynamite. Yeah, yeah. I think probably during Blood and Guts. Because I don't know. Is it, I, it's probably just going to be one match. But if it's going to be multiple matches, you could then have Dark Order... And that's when, when they reveal, like... When, the, is, when, the, when is Blood and Guts happening? In a few weeks. I can't remember off the top of my head. Isn't it, like, in, like, a month or two? I think so. But th- what you could have is have the the leader be revealed. He's the fifth member as they face off against SCU There's and two other people. There, I don't know. There is no way that they're going to wait that much longer for this. Like, we are already at the peak for it. If you wait much longer, interest is going to wane. Oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. That's kind of where they've been at with this whole thing, though. Um, that's the only problem is that all of their new kind of entrant all their new newcomers are kind of getting the same thing because archer and brody are getting this creepy jake the snake kind of thing and then you've got matt who's probably going to be coming in uh, involved with the dark order in some way and they're all coming in real spooky AEW loves to lean on the spooky wheel and that's kind of where they've been lately and i'm i'm gonna be honest that is like my jam in wrestling, so I'm not mad about it at all. The Jake the Snake stuff, like, dark doesn't mean spooky. If it's going to be Brody and Lance Archer, it's not going to be spooky. It's going to be, hi, would you like to be beaten within an inch of your life? Well, I have two gentlemen that will help you. Yeah. Lance Lance Archer doesn't do do spooky. Lance Archer does scream, everybody dies, and then try to follow through. <laughs> I honestly think that, like, yeah, he's going to bring more of an old-school, like, pure evil kind of thing to it. Yeah, fucking cruelty and misery and, like, what you thought the fucking Butcher and Blade would be until they put a girl in, like, tight leather pants with them and you're like, actually, I don't think that's going to work. Yeah. Uh, also, it in, works in different ways. Yeah, yeah. Not, not in that way. I'm really waiting for when they like bring in the tr- the trios titles. Like, I hate those. I hate trios belts because like they're poorly done in New Japan. They're poorly done in Ring of Honor. They were done yep. well in uh, in Lucha Underground. But like, there are no less than ten 
maybe like 12 three-man combinations in, in AEW. Yeah. It's absurd. It's literally like the majority of a time the person holding a three-man title is like a tag team and their friend. It's never a true like full-on trio like an SCU or something. Yeah, yeah, but like now there's there's so many cuz even like the tag team and their friend are consistent. Like fucking the Hybrid 2 and Kip Sabian. That's happened so many times on Dark even that it's a known entity. Like, the Butcher yeah. Blade and MJF, or Wardlow, is a known entity. Like, none of them are randomly thrown together. They're all, like, solid solid units, like, triangles of power. Like, everybody's... Every, yeah. Nobody except for Moxley and Darby Allen and... Not even Janela, because it's Janela and Private Party. Like, Moxley and Allen are the only two that aren't part of, like, a, a straight crew. And like that's yeah, yeah. the that's the thing about it. It's kind of like in the '90s when WWE was trying to do like faction warfare, except it's not really warfare. It's just everybody's just like there are too many people here for me to just be on my own. That's how you get beaten down. Yeah, I gotta get in. It's a very clicky. AEW is a clicky. Uh, yeah, company. I mean, granted, a Damn. lot of them will like interact positively, like the faces and the heels, and like I'm sure you could build up some like. I know cyber the cybernetico is only done by uh by fucking uh like Chikara, but that would totally work for AEW. Oh yeah, I'd love to see a cybernetico match in in AEW. Um, but speaking of MJF, I do want to say that boy continues to get more eyes on AEW by being an asshole than any other person in the entire company. Because this week he just decides to tell a kid to fuck off and flip him off, and it made the dad mad, and I'm like. You know who you were introducing your son to, right? It, it wasn't a yeah, that, good. Yeah, that's what that's what Eric Bischoff said too. Uh, also, MJF in that moment, in that thirty seconds, was my spirit animal. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, my favorite one is a post someone else did, which was my son got flipped off by MJF, and he had a completely different reaction. And it's MJF at like a a beat show. And he looks down and flips off a little kid who's running by in swim trunks. The little kid looks up at him and just flips him off and starts rocking, walking away. And MJ furiously runs out of the ring and tries to chase the kid down. <laughs> that's a really, yeah, that's, that's how you handle it. You teach your kids good. Yeah. I, go on, so honey. Many, go so, flip off the big strong man. <laughs> so many things about fucking AEW are, are so good. Even the women's like yeah like roster with the exception of of Britt baker is just so good <laughs> that might be my early contender for rivalry of the year is dylan and Britt baker she could have the greatest run in the history of wrestling between now and the end of the year she would still suck in my opinion <laughs> i no 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 she is the only person on dark whose matches i will not watch she puts on like a fucking kenny okada level match against nyla or some shit and you're like no Absolutely not. This isn't it. I know what they're. I know what most of her matches are. They're like, oh, we're just building up like her, like fucking people. I did like how Yuka Sakazaki fucking pulled the one thing you never see faces do, which is to fucking Pearl Harbor the heel while she's getting ready. Yuka Sakazaki just, just went up behind her and was just like, "Fuck you, bitch!" Just like <laughs> elbows to the back. Fucking her and her and fucking Rio just like did uh, double team maneuvers. Like Rio was like, "Yeah." Let's fuck her up. Like, it was the best. It was it was yeah. amazing. 
Well, what's probably not going to be amazing is this Sunday, because it's Elimination Chamber time, gentlemen, which means we've got some predictions to make for this hastily done pay-per-view. Hastily done and very easy to predict. Yeah, I was going to say, we're not not gaining or losing any points here, folks. Yeah, compared to... uh, We did actually pretty good on Evolution. Or Revolution, I'm sorry. Me and Blake only missed one, and Dylan missed two, so we were... Dylan missed two because he 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 really he really didn't want to see Statlander lose. Yeah, that, no, I, I honestly think you would have had a perfect show if your if your fucking Becky Lynch dreamboarding didn't come into play for a few of them. Yeah, no, it was. I actually and, and I really thought Cody was gonna win because I thought we were gonna do the old school like NWA booking where like we just finish the program now. Oh yeah yeah. Well, honestly, that was, I that think was the whole reason we, behind that. Well, yeah, we actually we talked about that, um, and I think the program's over because I think Cody's going to end up feuding with Jake's boys and MJF. I'm already calling double or nothing against Moxley. Give Moxley a really good opponent and just give something to elevate MJF even more. Cody looks like such a punk bitch at this point. Oh yeah, no, no, no. That's no, no. Hold on, heel of the week is still still a thing. Anyways, yeah, uh, your heel of the week is 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 bullshit, and I'm gonna say it's bullshit the whole time we're okay. having this conversation. Well, number one, Andrade versus Umberto Carrillo for the U.S. Championship. I've got Andrade. I don't see. I honestly don't think Umberto's that big big of a deal yet. Like he's not impressed me that much yet. So I don't know. No, I'm just feeling Andrade because he's. I honestly, I he's just fucking he Andrade. Just, That's all you yeah. got to say. He's Andrade. Like he's the boy. He's got it. Yep, Dylan. Fuck it, I'm I'm down too much. I'll I'll take Umberto. Okay. Oh uh, shit! Alist- yeah, Alistair Black versus AJ Styles in a match that was made sometime. I saw it on the fucking Wikipedia, so I guess it's a thing. It's like, all right, so this is going to be how they get into the AJ uh, Undertaker Under- feud more. So Black's going to win. Yeah, so, well, no, they, they're they feuding him with a different spooky boy right now to prep him for Ultimo Spooky Boy, the Undertaker. Yep. But yeah, I've got Black as well, because it's a no DQ match, meaning that I'm already voting Luke and Carl come down to the ring, start beating the shit out of Alistair, gong, he comes down, they try to cut him off at the pass, big boot to Carl, uppercut to uh, Luke, gets in the ring, choke slams AJ, and then just kind of gestures to Alistair, almost like a passing of the torch, Alistair picks up AJ, black mask pin. I'm full on booking it. Yeah, I can see that happening really easily. Yeah. Sure. Same. Absolutely. Uh, Street Profits, who thank God they finally got the titles, versus Rollins and Buddy Murphy for the Raw Championship. And this is another one. It's like, we're getting ready for Mania season. Seth is going to be doing his own thing, so we're not going to see him with the belt, I don't think. With the tag team belts. I'm thinking like a four-on-four a team led by KO versus Seth and his cronies. I could see that. Yeah, like that'll be his big thing. So, yeah, Who the, the fuck's Street Profits... the fourth person for K- uh, KO's team. Who are the other people on KO's team? The fucking like the Street Profits are going to have to fucking defend those titles against I don't whoever they hastily throw together in a month. I mean, probably just bring back fucking War Raiders and then 
like your very they last can't. show. One of them's injured. Oh, who got injured? Fucking Rowan. Rowan? You mean No, fucking I was like, no, 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 Rowan's got the giant spider. I don't yeah, know what you're no, 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 sorry. Uh, oh, god damn it. Raymond Rowe or the yeah, other Rowe. one? Yeah, Raymond Rowe, sorry. That's oh, where... oh, damn it, I love Raymond. Okay, um. Yeah, that was where the, con- sorry, that was when the confusion came from. Okay, um, maybe, like, they bring in, like, a big team. I don't know, but I think it would be a tag team, and then you would have Joe come back very last minute to do it. Maybe. I I doubt they're going to do this as a tag. I really think it's going to be a straight-up Randy versus KO. Or, sorry, a Seth versus KO. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so we all got profits. We got profits yeah. for that? Yeah. Now, Braun Strowman versus three motherfuckers in a handicap match for the Intercontinental Championship. So we all know how this is going. Yeah, because we have to be sad collectively. Yeah, no, it's Braun Strowman. Yeah, let's just keep going. Let's just keep fucking... It's, yeah. This is exactly the kind of thing, like, match you book a monster in to win to show that he's a monster. This is exactly why we don't watch the product anymore, Scotty. Come on, let's keep going. (laughs) All right. Um... Fuck it, because I think the tag chamber will cause more discussion. Women's chamber match. Shayna Baszler, Shayna Baszler. We all got Shayna Baszler? Okay. Baszler, Baszler, Baszler. Yep, yep, yep. Let's let's move on. Uh, The tag team chamber match, which... Was the last one good, or was it really bad? No, I mean, well, no. It was good compared to the Intercontinental one, which was a shit show that that Dolph Ziggler had to try to save. That's right. God, man, I remember. That one was so bad. Yeah. Anyway. No, they talked about it on the New Day pod one time because I think it was Big E just being like, you needed to see it. <laughs> it was so bad. Uh, I pick Miz and Morrison. Yeah, I think we're all kind of going down the Miz because they just won it. Like You can't have them immediately drop it unless they've got some big mania plans for somebody. I mean, yeah, the only other team that I would see... I mean, uh, maybe the Usos are the New Day, but even then, I'm not, like, I'm not sold on either of them winning it. I wouldn't put it back on New Day. I might put it on Usos, but I would wait for Mania to do that, to give Usos, like, a really big win on a big stage. Is that the main event of this? Is the tag team chamber? No, it's probably going to be the women's chamber match. Let Shayna Baszler... That's it? It's four matches? No, six. Six is what's announced right now, and then probably more will get announced on SmackDown, but we record on Thursdays, so fuck, Uh uh-oh. All right, I like how I like how there was exactly there was exactly one. Actually, yeah, no, one. I think Umberto's gonna gonna win it because I think the U.S. title is gonna be the ladder match at Mania. Oh yeah, that would be good. Yeah, I do like. There, Dylan was like, ah, I gotta make up some points, Umberto, and then agreed on the entire rest of the card. That was the only one that was up in the air because they they're high on Umberto and like fucking Andrade just had that wellness violation. And they probably, after, after like, Mania, want to move him up to something else. Uh, because fucking, yeah, they'll probably put him in a program with, uh, with Drew. They had that great program in NXT. That, like, fucking amazing match. Yeah, that would be really good, actually. What you're telling me is this entire series is gonna be decided by Mania Week again, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, no. Uh, who determines second? You have literally... Uh, a damn near insurmountable lead because I've only got I'm only ahead by three from Scotty. I like <laughs> Dylan's like no 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 fuck him. This is a me thing. And Scotty's going to drop because Scotty fucks up every Mania weekend. 
He had a seven-point lead, and he blew it. Yeah, I'm sorry, dude. After that one, I don't trust you with three points. Yeah. I, I wouldn't trust you to pour water out of a boot that had instructions on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. That was, that was a cornet when he was good commentary line. That's fucking choice. Yeah. Oh, by the way, fuck Cornette this week. Um, oh, never mind. You know what? He's gonna be my he's gonna be my heel of the week. I okay, got so it. we'll yeah. hold off. We'll hold. Patreon.com slash loaded BS. Do you guys want to support the Fight Boys? Well, you can on Patreon. It's where you get access to exclusive content like Wrestling History X, where we talk about some of our favorite moments in wrestling history. Or if you're a fan of JWF, you can watch me and Blake react to the original version of JWF. It's real fucking garbage, and you need to donate just for that. It's absolutely ridiculous. And you get shouted out on the show of your choice every single week, like that motherfucker Eric Fulmer, because Gazi has yet to re-up on Patreon. I know you're watching, Gazi. Re-up on the fucking Patreon, and I'll say your name again. But no more. No more will we address this emo man who almost died wrestling yesterday. No, he almost killed someone wrestling yesterday. No, 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 no. The person almost killed him. Anyways, oh, never mind. Who are we tweeting this week, Dylan? I don't, dude. I don't. I don't. I don't even fucking know anymore. Like it's, it's just, it's just such a such a shit show in life anymore, man. I'm, We've I'm, already got retweeted by Aiden English today. Can that count? Just the fact that Aiden English wants to help me and Blake with our good, good whiskey book. I mean. Yeah, no, that'll that'll have to work. All right, <laughs> that'll be, <laughs> right, that'll like, be fine. It's, it's after midnight where I'm at. I can't do this right now. Well, instead, let's get into heels and faces of the week. And we had such good faces that I feel like we need to start with the bad. We got to start with the bad boys. Sure, I'll go first. All right. <laughs> so you oh, remember? No. You remember at the, uh, the the end of the year. The end of the year podcast we did where we where we all voted on the separate categories for everything. Yeah. Yeah. You remember how we did match of the year and you guys uh, like agreed that that my choice was good, but you voted it third. Uh, yeah. Fuck you. Wrestling Observer Newsletter agreed with me. So both <laughs> of you can suck a whole bag of dicks, either collectively or individually, because I was right and you know it. Oh, wait a minute. The The New Japan match was chosen number one by Dave Meltzer. What a surprise. No, Dave Meltzer does not choose that. Dave Meltzer does not choose those things. It is done by the readers of Wrestling Observer Newsletter. People always get that confused. He has no say in the year-end awards. So literally, hundreds of people agreed with me. Suck all of the dicks. You know what? That's fine. I'll hey, give that to you. I'll let you have it. Hey, Blake, when we hang out this week and you watch some wrestling, like some really good matches, like, I don't know, like Cody versus Dustin, that would be really, really good. Or, um, oh, that Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano, two out of three falls. And then, um, oh, shit. Oh, man. Undertaker, Shawn Michaels. <laughs> Could we watch that, maybe? Oh, yeah. That'll be good. That'll be nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's just watch, let's just watch all of the teen WrestleManias. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to watch, like, the 98, like, casket match where Shawn Michaels fucked up his back and had to retire momentarily? You want to watch Jesus. that one? Absolutely. You that's guys, a, that's... Listen, listen, you guys can totally watch watch those on the on the big screen uh, in my house from outside. 
we're out on the deck. There are lizards crawling all over us. And we're like, hey, can we please come back in? He's about to throw him from the top of the cell, please. Nope, I will actually turn the TV off at that moment. Well, I've got two heels of the week this week. Um, okay, the first here, one. Let me, let me, I can't wait to fucking yell at you for this. Okay, well, the first one is the fact of how quickly they fucking botched the WrestleMania buildups. Because the Fiend, the most terrifying monster of a creature, got, he walked out and pointed at a fucking sign while looking at John Cena. It was so ridiculous, my wife was watching with me and laughing openly at how bad it was. Because it comes off the heels of John Cena being like, you know what? I really respect the future of WWE, and I want to leave my spot open for one of them to come take it. And I'm like, this is a noble promo. How is The Fiend going to convince him to wrestle at Mania? That'd be so good. The way he does it is by pointing at a fucking sign and being like, you wanna? And Cena being like, okay, you pulled my leg, I'll do it. So that's one. The other one we've already talked about, which is, I took out The Fiend! Who's next? Did it. Did it. I'm next. All right, the match is made for WrestleMania. The two big SmackDown matches consisted of one guy coming out and saying, you want to fucking do this? And the other one going, okay, we can do this. And that's it. That was the whole buildup. Yep, and that's that's the that's where we live in now in the WWE world. That and that's where we've always been. And that, that's, that's why where you are. I observe the WWE world from across the 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 universe, from across the Atlantic Ocean. Yes, <laughs> I know. I, I I view the WWE universe from the AEW land of sanity, uh, which is adjacent to the New Japan land of awesome matches. Yeah. And my secondary heel of the week is something that I feel like will grow on me, but currently I hate it. And it's Cody's fucking neck tattoo. It is... When he came out with it, I saw it and said, Oh, is that like a sticker? Or is that like a temporary tattoo? That's a cool thing to do for a match. And then as the match went on, it was just this slow dawning horror of... Ah, fuck, that's real. Ah, son of a bitch. Ah, damn it, Cody, Cody, no. Because Cody has such, like... Cody, since AEW started, has gone from, like, dashing pretty boy Cody Rhodes to a terrifying man who buys cigarettes for children outside of a 7-Eleven. Like, even Brandy Rhodes fucking hates it. She was like, I'm not the kind of wife that tells my husband what to do, and he can go off and do whatever crazy thing he wants. I don't fucking like it. (laughs) Like, Brandy, the only person who had a good argument for it was Brian Pillman Jr., And I kind of agree with what he's saying. Because at the end of the day, I feel like it'll work if Cody gets more ink. Like, if it stretches from the neck down and, like, into a half sleeve on his arm. But Brian says he's wearing it on his neck so it's always visible. Agreed. And it can't be covered up easily. It's symbolic of him going all in on his brand and his company and not having a backup plan. It means he's literally got his neck on the line for AEW and his family. It's skin in the game. And I agree with that. But God, it just looks so out of place. I like it. I like the design, but it looks so fucking out of place where it is right there. Also, Cody definitely got a backup plan, though, right? Okay. Nah, I don't think he does. Cody okay. Rhodes is fucking insane. I'm not even I gonna lie. I think he's got enough money that he doesn't need one, actually. That, so, that's his backup plan. Yeah. Okay, so, um, two things. Two things. Uh, one, uh, fuck off. <laughs> Seriously. You, the internet... 
Like, just, just, just fuck off. Uh, two, if you watched any of their videos, he actually had a segment this week on, like, one of the road ones where he broke down over the course of, like, three minutes why he got the tattoo and what it means to him and, like, the whole thing. But everybody just wanted to be very reactionary about, like, oh, he got a neck tattoo. Uh, clearly that's a terrible... No. No, it's his, his body, his whatever. It's like the people that, that got upset about fucking Gallagher getting, like, his old-school, like, Navy oh, tattoos. Like, no, fuck off. It's his body. That's how he wants to do that. They're well done. It's not like a fucking Icarus, like, what the fuck kind of, like, childlike watercolor tattoo is that. It's well done. It's in character. It's, like, something that clearly means something to them. Who the fuck are you to say anything? Cody's isn't. I, I will say, hold on, wait, no, I will say Cody's is not that well done, because people have zoomed in on it, and some of those stars look real fucked up. Like, the line work is not the best on that tattoo, which is why a lot of people are getting on, on for it. But yeah, no, I understand it, and I agree with it. I get it, but it's it's change. It's a, a full-on I fear change. It is like... It's not going to work with Cody's aesthetic anymore. Like, he come down to the ring today, uh, like, on Wednesday with, like, a brown cloak on, and it just looked so out of place. Like, I full-on agreed with MJF where he came out with, like, the I-pinned Cody shirt and said, oh, this shirt is just so, it, it's so over the top, it's so exaggerated, and it's really inappropriate, kind of like a neck tattoo, Fucking, and then that was the end of it. It was such a good promo, but yeah, like, I, I get it. I understand. People get tattoos, they're entitled to it. But figure out where to place it, because that's not a good placement. I have a, I have a follow-up, uh, a follow-up thing. Uh, when was the last time you heard anybody talk about Jericho's tattoos? Oh, no, they're all bad. All of his, no, he's kind of like Donald Trump when it comes to tattoos. He just keeps adding on to it to where people forget about the last bad one. People don't care about them because it doesn't matter for anything he does. Well, it's also because they blend, they're well-placed and they blend in. It's a sleeve, it blends in, it looks fine. Cody's is a bright red, white, and blue scar on his neck. That's my thing. It's the placement of it more than anything else. Dylan, you're trying to talk to a guy who spends hours agonizing over making his wrestling characters in WWE 2K games. Oh, yeah. You're not going to get anywhere on this. I I struggle with the details, and I feel like the detail work on it could have been done better. I'm fine with the I'm fine with the backstory on it. I'm fine that he wanted to get it done, but I feel like more work needs to needed to be more detail work needed to go into it. Anyways, I can't Blake, wait to see your the masterpiece of a tattoo you get this year. Jesus Christ. Okay, my heel of the week. Uh, guys, can I just say fuck Jim Cornette? Every week. Honestly, you could you could tell me that every hour from now until, like, you die, I would still agree with you. Okay, good. Just wanted, just wanted to see where you're at here, because, um, uh, on his most recent episode of Drive Through, he did... He went off on a certain freshly squeezed wrestler. What? What is... What is drive through? Does he have a podcast about going through the Wendy's drive through or some shit? Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen, sir. Dairy Queen. <laughs> Don't you dare besmirch the good name of Wendy's, who, by the way, retweeted uh, the Dark Order making their hand sign because it <laughs> looks like how you eat a burger. <laughs> and I can't unsee it now. 
I can't, especially for Evil Uno, I can't unsee him holding a Baconator. I just, I can't. <laughs> yeah, Wendy's doing great as always, but uh, Jim said this about Orange Cassidy. He said he would like to see Orange Cassidy jump over the rope, catch his feet in the rope, and he wasn't sure if he would like to see his neck go sideways or just have his brain spill out, because, you know what? That's the way that you can talk about another person risking their lives and body in the ring just because you don't like their shtick. And I know, I know, I'm falling right into the hole. This is what Jim Cornette does. This is the kind of reactions he's looking for. I get it. I just get pissed off about it. And I'm gonna fall into it. I'm gonna get worked by Jim Cornette because he's a fucking prick. And every time he does stupid shit, I want to point it out. Welcome to why I've straight up just blocked him on every social media I have. Like, even ones that don't have anything to do with wrestling. I'm like, just in case. Just in case someone tries to bring I, his bullshit you to me, I'm not going to pay attention. It's, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what this TikTok is, but I'm going to tell you how much I want Orange Cassidy to fucking die. I, I wonder, well, no, because he definitely didn't watch Revolution, but if he had seen Pac versus Cassidy and seen, like, oh, this little motherfucker can go, okay, all right. No, because um, he, he... No, he did a review of the Orange Cassidy-Pac match, and that's where he said it. What the fuck? How? Because it it doesn't matter if the wrestling's good for him anymore. He knows what his fucking character is, and he's got to stick to it, so... He's going to just be that kind of insufferable asshole, no matter how good the match is. Alright. Well, we've argued a lot about tattoos today. I feel like we need to bring a shot of positivity, which is why I'm going to ask, who our baby faces of the week are? Boom, boom. Colt Cabana, boom, boom. Colt Cabana. I know, I was generally waiting for Dylan to be like, my baby face is fucking Cody Rhodes' tattoo artist. <laughs> He's a true hero in this industry. No. Um, also, Dylan, I would like to say, just going back to it for a moment, I agree with you. I kind of like the tattoo. I don't hate it. No, no. Yeah, I, I, just, I, just, I just didn't like that people got all up in arms about it. I was just like, out of all the things in all of the stuff that you could just bitch and moan about how bad his entrance music live band was oh, fuck, the that fact was that so he bad. looked like a bitch in that match the tattoo the tattoo is what we're focusing on you'll forget the tattoo is there by the end of summer probably by the end of the next pay-per-view like I be- no genuinely my favorite tweet to come from that like entire match was someone who said so nice of them to let the winners of a high school band competition play cody out to the ring <laughs> uh anyway boom boom cole cabana boom boom uh, Colt made his, um, like, he's he's now signed to AEW, he has a contract, and he's out there, and he's just doing his fucking Colt thing, yeah. which I think everybody just needs to see, because I love Colt Cabana's shtick, and I don't get to see it as much because I don't get to see, because, you know, for the longest time he did his thing where he made his name, where he was doing all of these small indie shows for the most part, and like, but once he started um, doing more in Japan, it's just like, oh, this is why I love Colt Cabana. I saw him wrestle a fucking robot in Chicago once. It was insane. He 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 did the Superman pin to win on yesterday. Oh, and that so is, good. And people were like, "What? What is this?" I was like, "Oh, he's been doing that shit for years. It's it's one of his signatures." Yeah, yeah, it's one of the things he do- and he does it really well. Oh, yeah. And it's a really it's a really good pin. It looks ridiculous at first, but then you're like. 
No, that really works, huh? It's it's like yeah. Zack Sabre Jr.'s pin where he like crosses his arms and does a neck bridge, and you're just like, that's insulting, but it looked like it it works in theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I read about it and was immediately like, oh fuck, okay, he's and now he's like, he's not just a performer; he's also like a coach and a consultant. I can't remember. There are a lot of different hats that Colt Cabana is wearing at AEW, and it makes me really, really excited. Is anybody else excited for the AEW uh, Art of Wrestlings now? Like, where he... Because he started doing the old school, like, way of doing it. He did Osprey. He did Aaron Stevens, like, last week. Like, I'm like, I'm so hyped. Hyped to shit. Yeah, and the more, like, the more feedback he gets from his patrons, because he's... His focus on the podcast now is what the his patrons want on Patreon. Yeah. And um, that's really what they wanted more of, so he started doing them. And now I bet that, you know, he's doing more AEW stuff. Because I think, I think Colt is trying to settle down. Oh, yeah. Um, easily. I honestly, I, I'm happy that it's coming back, says the man who feuded with Colt Cabana for many a year. A one-sided feud. Um, I, I'm happy it's coming back because recently I've gotten really into hearing wrestlers tell their stories. And I forgot how much I just love listening to, like, Cody Rhodes telling an old Dusty story. Or hearing, like, Edge tell a crazy story about Undertaker at R- the Royal Rumble or shit like that. Like, I love hearing wrestling stories. Yeah, and Colt's become very good at doing those interviews. Um, also, I think that, like, it's a good move for AEW, too, having the guy that, like... I mean, he without him, uh, pro wrestling tees would not be a thing. Oh, yeah, 100%. Do you and that have... is one of the biggest, like, merch movers in independent wrestling now. And he was one of the... Like, he was one of the people that saw, it's like, oh, shit, we can use this for yeah. our wrestling shirts. And that's... It'll make it easier for us, and it'll make the wrestlers more money. Yeah. Do you have a personal favorite art of wrestling story? Because, like, the great Power Udi story is iconic, but I have my own personal favorite in my head if you want to go first, though. Um, Oh, I don't know. I've heard so many good ones. Mine was, um, fuck, I think it was Gallows and Anderson were just listing off uh, how they had gotten drunk. And, like, how they had almost killed each other whenever Gallows got to New Japan. It was, like, in the lead-up to Wrestle Kingdom 9. I distinctly remember this. And there was the bit where they were they were bullshitting with each other about... Anderson was like, yeah, I got I got verified on Twitter before you. I had more followers. And, like, like Colt's like, man, fuck off. It was, it was great. It was, like, this great, like, back and forth because Carl and... Uh, like, they had all known each other at different points. It was, it was amazing. That's my favorite one. Mine is probably from the Chris Hero episode, because that one had a lot of very, very good stories, like watching old Steiner stuff and doing it in the ring with, like, New Japan guys. But my favorite one is when he's talking about working for WXW, and he goes, well, the thing about WXW is they didn't have customized entrance music. They just had a CD, and if you were the fifth entrant, you got track number five. The problem is, I came out during a uh, tag match with a girl who had wrestled earlier in the night in a battle royal. And so I come out, and I hear her entrance music, which is, Man, I feel like a woman. (laughs) And I just had to run to the ring and attack. And then he keeps going, he goes, And later in the night, I was in a battle royal. And because I was with her, they go, Number eight, Chris Hero. And he goes, I just I just screamed and ran to the ring and tried my best to avoid anyone hearing what was happening. I think um gosh, my favorite one, it 
I think it was Petey Williams um, that told the story. It was the uh, it was the Scott Steiner Cracker Barrel story. Oh, yeah. I bet you this know one's it. too yeah. small. Take it back. <laughs> back. Where he goes the wrong way down a street to down get to the, the Cracker Barrel. Yep. Yes. <laughs> That just reminds me of that terrifying experience of driving with Scott Steiner. I I still remember the vine where it's like, Scotty, man, fuck you, Petey. (laughs) (laughs) Love that shit. Then he just keeps going on. He's just like, Petey, what you want to go eat? Huh? Huh? We're going to Cracker Barrel. All right, Scott. That's that's, that's cool. I'm just going to get in the car and wait then. There's a very good animated, um, like, version of the story on youtube you should look that up if you have a moment well my baby face of the week is we've already talked about it a little bit but fuck that tag match on aew was insane because i was trying to li- i was trying to live tweet revolution on fight boys just like to put up a few tweets i put down my phone and like 40 minutes had passed and i had no idea that's how i know it's a good match is there was never a moment of dragging between the uh, uh, young bucks versus page and uh page and omega there was no lag it was just me staying in it the whole time and they put in like great teases like the moment where hangman i can't remember if it was matt or nick he had down and he just goes chicken wing and the whole crowd says it with him he did the spin too he did he did the full monty on it Uh, he did the kick to the left he did everything i was so hyped when i saw the clip i have to i'm almost i'm almost going to buy that pay-per-view it's been almost a week i know all the finishes i still want to see it that match was so insane that like I I I had to have a come down like and I feel bad cuz Statlander and Nyla was the come down match and I was like ah, I know you guys are going to try but just know I'm still kind of in the world that that tag match created I, for I'm me I'm still in the refractory so- period <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's hard to come back from a match that fucking good man and then the, the ending where hangman's like on the ropes and you see him put the title down and he's because there were so many teases because at one point you had kenny and the bucks on one side of the ring all of them faced sideways towards uh page and i'm like they're about to fucking super kick hangman and then hangman on the outside puts the title down looks like he's about to buckshot kenny and i'm like Quit fucking with us. Quit commentary, with us. commentary was so great because Shivani was like, "I thought I saw something there," and he like says it like you know in that way. Also, are we going to talk about the fact that Kenny kicked out of the fucking uh, golden? What was it? The golden trigger at one, and oh, like yeah, fucking, oh, yeah. fucking page. Page hit a one like a, a, an other side one winged angel, which has been dubbed by the IWC as the one winged devil. And like, <laughs> nice. I legit he hit that, and I was like, "That's not the finish." And I saw Nick, and I was like, "Okay, fine." But then he buckshot to the outside, buckshot to the inside. That's the best part of that story is that Page is the one that won it. And like, yeah, it wasn't like a tag team maneuver. It wasn't the buckshot V trigger combo. It was just Hangman going buck fucking wild and destroying the buck. That, that's why I liked his intro thing this week. Whip both their asses. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. No, Hangman. we talked about that last week because that was from a video he posted of his like new toy, and it was the uh, the video of him and he had his toys standing above Matt and Nick's toys holding the title, and it pans back up. Whoop both their asses. Yeah, just that whole match was insanity. Because, like, 
it takes a lot to get me to be like, oh, fuck, are they about to, oh, no, they didn't. Oh, fuck, is this about to, oh, no. Oh, fuck, is this about to, because, like, I've got a pretty decent mind, as I'm sure we all do, when it comes to stories and matches, because a dude can hit, like, a top rope fuckinator to the floor through a flaming table, but if it's not the right time in the match, I'll be like, He's about to kick out it, too. It's okay. But that match had multiple moments where I'm like, it's over. It's Like, the golden trigger was the first time I was like, oh, they gonna be like that right now. Because they grabbed both arms, and I said, they're, they're not about to. And then they screamed golden trigger and hit it. And I said, oh, my God. And then Kenny just shoots up like a bolt of lightning at one. And I'm like, this is the greatest match of the year. This might be my early contender for match of the year. They got real nasty with it. It was so good. The thing is, is that they had already had an amazing, like, like arguably tag team match of the year with the Lucha Brothers, like two weeks prior. Like, oh yeah, they, like they were they were already doing so great, and they were just like, okay, because uh, the Lucha Brothers were tag team tag team of the year. They were voted tag team because everybody everybody in AEW had the front of the year off, but the Lucha Brothers were going fucking everywhere, like kicking the shit out of people. Uh, also, moment of the year for last year for the tag team of the year is uh, Phoenix super kicking Aubrey Edwards in the face. Oh yeah, uh, greatest gift. Anyway, uh, onto my onto my baby face of the week. Um, so we heard how bad Downstreet was uh, live. Um, on the complete opposite end of the spectrum was uh, Chris Jericho fully leaning into people singing with yes. his music by hiring a full chorus. If like of what can I can only be I can only describe it as an almost religious experience like yeah, like yeah. tears welled up in my eyes it was beautiful like it was so good you had the you had the you had the chorus you had the crowd then Jericho comes out to his own music again you have the crowd a second it was three fucking minutes his entrance was three fucking minutes I've watched it three times that's how enjoyable it is. My favorite thing about it now is they've gotten smart with that song because they used to let it play through the chorus and fade it out. Now they cut it right before the end of the chorus. That way the crowd can then sing the Judas in, Judas in my mind. And then you just hear this loud applause every single time. It's it's so... I know there'll be a day when it fades and it doesn't happen anymore, but I feel like we're still going to talk about it. Like, hey, you remember that, like, two, three-month period of time where Chris Jericho was so fucking over as the heel? Yeah. Chris Jericho's music was over. That is... That has got to be, like, the biggest, like, you saw him, you saw him this week. He stood there in his fucking pink sparkly jacket, and he just stood there, arms and hands in front of him, just, just waiting, because he knew, like, he just knows now. You see the smirk on his face, the smug bastard. Oh, it's great. Oh, it's the best. I I know Cody straight up is like, we're not going to work Mania weekend. That is their weekend, and we'll work our own. But fuck, I just want to go to another AEW show, and I'd love to do one Mania weekend. Just go down there and fucking sing sing along to Judas. I mean, you can you can you can still come down. I'm sure they'll do CEO again. Oh yeah, well I'm I want to make CEO like a yearly thing because we've done it the past two years and it's always been great. I mean, but this time we bring bring Blake, so he won't be able to complain. The first year, the first year, fucking. Jabali showed up with one leg and beat fucking. <laughs> oh, Nakazawa, yeah. Uh, don't remind me. I love Michael. <laughs> Blake's like, don't remind me of everything I've missed over these years. Hi, I'm Scotty Moore, and I love whiskey. 
Hi, I'm Drunk, and I'm Blake Tanner, love. And we are the BS, and we are creating a book. It is Southern Mythology, a collection, an anthology of stories, all inspired by our different favorite whiskeys. Buffalo Trace. Bill Mead Reserve Bourbon. Angel's Envy. There's going to be like 25 stories, so... We need to get to drinking. That's right, Scotty. Every month we have a special episode on our podcast, A Load of BS, where each one of us brings a special whiskey close to our hearts that we really want to taste and share with the world. And then we just make a fucking raunchy story out of it. (laughs) And so... Okay, and they meet at a crossroads, right? It's gonna be like the crossroads of a train track. (laughs) You know what a trace is, right? Um, that's a three in Spanish. Who is the most envious angel of all? We just did a demon one. We can't do Lucifer twice in a row. Yes, we can. And we need your help. Whether you're a whiskey distillery and want to send us like a sample of something to get in the book. Whether you are a whiskey enthusiast who also happens to be a big name and want to get a story in the book. We need your help. Check out a load of BS. And every single month, you can get your update on Southern Mythology. We're bad at commercials. So, boys, we've talked AEW Revolution and also about some fucking mudlaw, mudlaw out show called WWE. But right now, uh, an accident happened, Blake. It was supposed to be expiration date from JWF last weekend, but turns out there was a scheduling error, and it is it now- was, uh, It was leap year, yeah, the leap year <laughs> threw him off. <laughs> leap year fucked with it, so it is gonna be this weekend, so why don't we go over to Silver Spoon and Captain Tibbs for the new go-home episode of JWF, Monday Night War! My partner in crime and a man who's who's pretty bad at scheduling, I'll be honest, it's Captain Tibbs. I don't know what you're talking about, Sills. I never done heard of a leap year. Well, Tibbs, unfortunately, due to this, the expiration date pay-per-view has been moved to this weekend. Which is why now, this Sunday, on the official Fight Boys YouTube channel, you will find expiration date where we're going to have some amazing matches. We are going to have our tag team champions, the Wild-Eyed Southern Boys, teaming with Spider Lockhart coming out of retirement to take on the team known as the VWO Men, who I know you're a big fan of, too. Of course, Sills, especially because they've got the Hammer Man back in their midst, and the Hammer Man is just so fucking good. Uh-huh, we're going to get a preview of that match in our main event of the evening as Justin Clouds of the VWO takes on the Wild-Eyed Southern Boys, Houston Longhorn. And Tibbs, let me tell you something. They talk about hoss matches in professional wrestling. This is the biggest hoss match I think I've ever seen. I'm looking forward to it, Sills. I mean, I put this put this together for a reason. These boys are going to go all out, and I can't wait to see the results. Hopefully, the Hammerman is going to come out and show them what he's made of. That's right, Tibbs. 
But before that, I want to talk about our Expiration Chamber match. The match for the JWF World Heavyweight Championship. One of the biggest prizes in the business. And of course, in that match, we will have our champion, Momoa Curry. We will have the man known as the Rat Boy Connor. The JXT standouts, Funky Flossy and FOMO-san. And of course, a man who I know you're not a fan of, Felix Ball. Fucking don't even say his name, goddammit, Sills. I don't even know why you're trying to find a motherfucker. But in addition to Felix Ball, there is also one last man, a man who's almost become a cult favorite in the JWF. He is none other than the king of Flavortown, Guy Fieri, a man who's had multiple opportunities in the past. People say he's always almost reached the plateau of the mountain, but he's never really been able to reach its peak. But, I mean, Tibbs, let me tell you something. Guy Fieri has seemed fired up, and he might be able to get that title this Sunday. What do you think? Oh, definitely. So there's a reason I put him in this match. Guy Fieri, he's always hungry. He's always ready to take on any and all challenges. And when it comes down to it, he's a powerhouse that can always win the day if he just really gets that opportunity. That's right, Tibbs. And we honestly wanted everyone at home to get a look behind the scenes. A little peek under the crown, which is why I had a sit-down interview with Guy Fieri earlier today. And he said some shocking things about his match this Sunday. Let's have a listen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this backstage interview with the man, the myth, the king of Flavortown, Guy Fieri. Thanks for having me, Silves. Now, Guy, this Sunday you step into the expiration chamber for the third straight year. And I've got to ask, with all this experience under your belt, how does it feel knowing that you've never come out of this chamber winning the big one? Well, Silves, it's, um, it's, it's upsetting. I mean, at the end of the day, that's almost been the big joke about Guy Fieri, right? That, that Guy Fieri can always get inches within winning the big one, but never quite make it, right? That Guy Fieri is perpetually this close to reaching the peak of success in this business, but... But it's not a joke to me. This, this is not a joke to me, Silves. This is my career we're talking about here. I mean, how does you think it feels after every single pay-per-view match like this where I have to go home to my, my wife or my kids and say, oh, I'm sorry, Daddy just wasn't able to win the big one tonight. That's not a joke to me, Silves. It pisses me off, and each subsequent loss just lights a bigger and bigger fire under my ass to get in there and get the job done. Well, that's right, and I will say you might have one of the biggest challenges ahead of you this Sunday in an absolutely stacked expiration chamber match. I mean, not only do you have big names like Momoa Curry and Felix Ball, You've also got newcomers from JXT in the form of Funky Flossie and the man who debuted at the Regal Rumble, the Rising Sun FOMO Sun. In a match with such a variety of performers, what's your strategy going into this? Well, Silves, you're right. Uh, back in my cooking days, this match would be called Scattered, Smothered, and Covered. It's got just about every type of man you'd want to face in that match. You got high flyers, powerhouses, and not to mention the god of the JWF himself, Momoa Curry. And with all these new JXT guys coming in, you start to doubt yourself. The landscape of the JWF is changing, and changing for the good, but it leads me to think, is there a place in this new landscape for Guy Fieri? 
where's my spot? Where do I fit in? And unfortunately, I don't see a spot for me. I don't see where Guy Fieri fits in to this new mold. But that's how it's been my entire career, Sills. I've never exactly fit the mold wherever I went. There's always been a different one. I've always been the outsider, and I've made a career of not giving a damn if there's a spot for me because I know I'll make a spot for myself in the long run. And I'm done waiting. And this Sunday, at expiration date, I'm going to take my spot. Not just for me, but for my entire family. Well, strong words from the king of Flavortown. Well, uh, Guy, I wish you all the luck in your match this Sunday, and I'll take it back to you. Well, Silves, as you can see, Guy Fieri, he's definitely grown frustrated in recent months with all of these losses in these big title matches. I honestly think Guy Fieri might be the biggest contender for the title come this match this Sunday. What do you think? You know, Sills, I think he could definitely have a shot at winning. That's right, but unfortunately, let's not forget, as Momoa Curry brought up last week on Monday Night War, the winning is just the beginning of the story for whoever is the JWF champion this Sunday, because then they have to go on to Wrestlepalooza to face the demon, the beast, the man known as the Leviathan, the brother of Momoa Curry, and a monster that almost destroyed the JWF for good last summer, Tix. Possibly the greatest threat the world has ever faced. Our world, at least. The world of mortal man. The one that you so hopelessly cling to in your day-to-day life. He could destroy it in an instant if it gains the power that that belt holds, Sills. I don't know if you really understand how truly horrifying it could be. That's right, Tibbs. We've seen some amazing men hold that JWF championship, including Blake Tanner, a man who this Sunday at expiration date is going to be facing off against an old friend, the man known as the Lord of the Dark, uh, the Smart Side, I'm sorry, the Dylan. And, and Tibbs, let's not forget, have, there's not been much love lost between the Dylan and Blake Tanner in recent months, has there? Not at all, Sills. They've been at each other's throats constantly, each one vying for some other type of position of dominance within the dynasty. That's right. We, I mean, let's not forget, this really all started at the Regal Rumble when the leader of the dynasty, Scotty Moore, was coming down to the ring after Blake's match against the champion, Momoa Curry. And Scotty was trying to cash in his briefcase. He was trying to defeat Momoa Curry to get the title, but Blake Tanner just snapped, pulled Scotty out of the ring, smacked him in the face, allowing Momoa to get away. And ever since, there's been a rift growing in the dynasty. And of course, Scotty Moore decided to end that rift for good by putting Blake Tanner in a match against the Dillon this Sunday. And only one man will walk out alongside Scotty Moore in the Dynasty, and the other, I, I guess, is going to be left to flounder in a last-man-standing match, Tips. That's right, Sills. It's going to be... It's going to be bloody. It's not going to be good. It's going to be a bad time for each of these guys. They are not going to stop. That's right, Tibbs, and we have actually sent one of our top interviewers backstage with Blake Tanner to get his thoughts on this match. I mean, we've talked to Scotty Moore, we've talked to the Dillon, but one person we haven't really heard from is Blake, which is why we have got one of our biggest interviewers down there right now to talk to Blake Tanner. Let's have a listen. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Honeypot, Mick, I know I do this every week, I'm sorry. 
here with the man that will be facing his former tag team partner, the Dylan, this Sunday in a last man standing match for the opportunity to stay in the dynasty. Blake Tan. Now, Blake, we knew there would be consequences for your loss to Felix Ball a few weeks back, but did you have any idea that the stakes would be this high for your match? <clears throat> no, Honeypot, I, I didn't. I honestly didn't. I mean, come on. What was all that bullshit that Scotty was spouting about the dynasty all the time? He said we were a family. That's what he always said. He said that no matter what, the dynasty could get through anything because we were a family. And that's right. That's right. The dynasty is a family. Only when it pertains to Scotty Moore. Oh, when he loses our championships. Oh no, we're a family. We can get through anything. When he botches his cash in the bag, briefcase cash in and nearly loses it. Oh, we're a family. We can get through anything. But I lose one, one single fucking match to Momoa Curry, and suddenly the dynasty isn't about family anymore, huh? It's about business. That's what Scotty said last week, right? This is all about business. <laughs> well, how about I remind him exactly what kind of business Blake Tanner can get to in this ring? You want me to prove myself, Scotty? You want to see me climb Mount Olympus broken and bloody just to join you in the dynasty again? Okay, fine! This Sunday, I'm going to do more than that. This Sunday, I'm going to show Scotty exactly how much he needs me. I'm going to prove to Scotty that the dynasty, the BS, all those championships and accolades on his wall at home wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Blake Tanner. Scotty Moore will never admit this in his goddamn life, but he needs me. Our careers have been bonded together ever since we started this business. And this Sunday, Scotty Moore is either going to leave that arena with his best friend, or he's going to have a new worst enemy. It all depends on what I have to do to get the Dylan to stay down. But until then, I'll make this final plea to Scotty Moore, my friend, my brother, to remember just who your family is, and just to remember who's been riding whose coattails to the top all these years. Well, Tim, strong words there from Blake Tanner, and, and let me tell you something. I think if Blake wins this Sunday, we may see a complete shift in the way the dynasty has been led. I mean, you got to think Scotty Moore has always kind of taken the top position in that. But I think if it comes down to Blake Tanner and Scotty Moore once again, the BS would reunite. And it might be one of the most dominant things we've seen in this company for a long time. It would be it would be interesting, Sills, but it, it would also hinge on Scotty Moore having to give up his power position in the dynasty, something that he covets highly, as we can see every week. I, I just don't know if he's willing to share that kind of power if Blake Tanner wins. That's right, and let's not forget, this is not the first time Scotty Moore and Blake Tanner have been at, at odds. I mean, let's think back to... 
the first Wrestlepalooza a few years ago, the main event was an Iron Man match, the first ever in JWF history as Blake Tanner took on Scotty Moore. Their feud was legendary, continuing into Summerfest that, that year. I, I mean, Blake Tanner said, Scotty's either going to leave with his best friend or his worst enemy, and we've seen the BS. They can be either one. That's right, Sylv. You know, you keep your friends close and your enemies closer, and you you got a little bit of both when it comes to Blake Tanner and Scotty Moore. That's right, Tibbs. They've been amazing tag team champions and even greater rivals. But speaking of great tag team champions, I want to go down to the ring right now for our main event of the evening as our tag team champions, the, uh, the man known as Houston Longhorn, takes on the former tag champion, Justin Clouds of the VWO. And Tibbs, let's not forget the VWO. I say the BS, probably one of the greatest tag teams in this company's history, but if anyone can give them a run for their money, it's definitely the VWO. That's right, Sills. I, I think that, it, uh, however, these good old Southern boys have come out and become just a completely dominating force in the tag team scene here in the JWF. They, they have completely blindsided everyone with their unique style and their leadership by Spider-Fucking-Lockhart. That's right, and as we can see, Spider-Lockhart and Sam Adams flanking uh, flanking Houston Longhorn on his side of the ring. Meanwhile, the Hammerman and Griffin Clouds of the VWO flanking their brother Justin and Oh, Tibbs, there it is. Before the match can even get going, Spider Lockhart's jumping up on the apron, jaw jacking back and forth with Justin Clouds. Justin looking a little bit distracted right now. And oh, unfortunately, that distraction gives Houston Longhorn just enough time to jump the eldest Cloud brother, Justin, from behind, laying in some vicious shots to the body of the powerhouse to the VWO and Tibbs. That is the danger of the wild-eyed Southern boys. They know how to get into a brawl. They know how to destroy men, and it starts with misdirection, with distraction, like what Spider Lockhart was just providing. That's right. That's a veteran move by Spider Lockhart. He knows... Get your opponents off their game just a little bit. Go in, hit them heavy. That's right, but now Justin shoving Houston away. But, ooh, Houston coming back with even more fury. A massive kick to the gut and a big forearm shot to the spine, sending Justin Clouds to the mat. Unfortunately, Houston looking real proud of himself, locking in a headlock on the eldest Cloud brother, keeping him grounded, keeping that powerhouse on the mat. And, Tibbs, i got to ask, if you're Justin Clouds, if you're in this position... What can you do after this absolute beatdown from Houston Longhorn? I mean, he's barely been able to get any sort of any sort of offense going. Well, Justin is a powerhouse wrestler. He could probably hold on for such an early headlock attempt. He's got to use his endurance to just wait out Longhorn and then find his perfect opportunity to get him out or punch him in the dick. That's oh, I don't know if he'll do that, Tibbs, but it looks like. He actually is using that powerhouse pig in his spot right now. Justin making his way back to his feet. Houston Longhorn looking shocked at the power of Justin Clouds, who just picks up the former champion and, oh, slams him down with a massive back suplex. Now Justin bouncing off the ropes as Houston makes his way back to his feet. But, oh, my God, Justin just pouncing on him with a massive crossbody and laying in a few shots to the face for good measure. I mean, Tibbs, I know this whole time we've been talking about Justin. He's the power. House. He's the big man, but let's not forget that big man does know how to move in the ring. Absolutely, very agile, and he can use that agility to put his weight wherever he needs it. 
That's right, showing his intensity as Justin Clouds bouncing off the ropes and oh, massive senton. Just imagine that massive frame of Justin Clouds crashing down on your hips. It cannot feel good as he goes for a pin. One, two, and oh, damn it, Tibbs, look at this. Sam Adams, Sam Adams actually grabbing Justin by the foot, dragging him out of the ring. This is ridiculous. Ah, Sam Adams, he's another Wiley, probably at the, at the direction of Spider Lockhart. Spider Lockhart, he's an excellent strategist. He knows the big plans before, and he's got a strategy for just about everything. That's right, and Sam Adams just staring down Justin, daring Justin to hit him in the face to get disqualified. But look at this! The Hammerman and Griffin Clouds rushing the wild-eyed Southern Boys, taking care of the job for Justin, leaving him alone for Houston Longhorn is the VWO absolutely level Spider Lockhart and Sam Adams, Tibbs. Ah, oh, that's good to see. This is why you always bring your family to a street fight. That's right. This is a five-man pile up here on the outside, but oh my God, Houston Longhorn, Houston Longhorn off the ropes, and oh my God, goes for a massive Tope Congiro knocking out the majority of the men, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. Justin Clouds, as the, uh, the debris, the debris spreads, we can actually see Justin Clouds manage to catch Houston Longhorn in his arms, and now he's picked him up and oh my god, slams him into that ring post. The back of Longhorn bouncing off the metal, being sent to the ground. I mean, look at the strength of Justin Cloud's tits. Mm-hmm, that's it. Longhorn, he might be strong in his own way, but he's not a powerhouse like Justin. And honestly, he's more of a technical guy. And just a massive hit like that, it's got to have him thrown for a loop. That's right. You got to think the VWO, they faced off against the Wild-Eyed Southern Boys so many times. They've got to know all their tricks. I mean, the Wild-Eyed Southern Boys debut match in this company was last year at Crossing the Line in a triple threat match where they, of course, did take on the VWO. Their debut match, they met there. And you got to think the VWO have just been learning ever since. Absolutely, Sills. All right, now Justin picking up Houston, tossing him into the ring. And let me tell you something, Justin Clouds knows he needs to capitalize right now as the, our referees trying to sort out the chaos at ringside. Our faithful referee, Shibata, trying to get everybody, get everybody adjusted. But wait a minute, Houston Longhorn! Houston Longhorn with a low blow takes out Justin Clouds. The referee's back was turned and Houston Houston now is going for something big, Tibbs. I think he's getting ready for that move that won him the JXT Championship, the cattle drive. Oh, this is not a good situation to be in if you're Justin Clouds. That's right, but wait a minute. Justin, Justin reverses. Justin reverses, sends Houston into the ropes, and Houston bounces off, and oh my God, gets sent into the air, and Justin just levels him. He levels the tag champion with the Cumulonimbus powerbomb. Going for the pinfall off that pop-up powerbomb. One, two, three. And Tim's Justin Clouds has done it. After the low blow, after the attempt at the cattle drive, he's come back against the odds and defeated Houston Longhorn in our main event of the evening. And Tim, let me tell you something. That's the kind of momentum the VWO needs ahead of their match this Sunday. That's right, Sills. You gotta pull out some amazing feats of strength and endurance like Justin Clouds right there, who survived a low blow just 
to hit his finisher in a spectacular way, and it cannot feel good with that kind of pain in your groin, let me tell you. That's right, Tips, and we can only hope that kind of adrenaline carries forward into expiration date this Sunday when the wild-eyed Southern boys take on the VWO in a three-on-three -three elimination match. In addition to that, we are going to have Blake Tanner versus the Dillon in a Falls Count Anywhere match that is going to be an absolute bloodbath. And then, of course, that main event, Tibbs, the Expiration Chamber match, one of the most deadly matches of all time. Six men in the ring, four of them locked inside hermetically sealed pods, only to be released after a few minutes go by. And you got to think, that's the kind of match that brings out brutality, brings viciousness like Guy Fieri was showing earlier tonight in a match like that. Absolutely, Sills. It's going to be a bloodbath no matter how you slice it. And that's why it's called the Expiration Chamber. That's right, Tibbs. And you can find it on Expiration Date coming to you live this Sunday, not last Sunday, on the official Fight Boys YouTube channel. Make sure to check it out. And in order to see what happens after that, you'll have to tune in next time to JWF Monday Night War. So, Blakey T, we've done it. This episode went very, very long. What did you learn this week? Oh, fuck, shit. God damn it, I forgot we did this. Ah, uh, fuck. Oh, Blake's shit. like, Hold I on. forgot. Oh. I forgot we ended the show. Ah, oh, shit. Ah, oh, fuck. I learned that tattoos can be a very contentious subject. And I learned that uh, making Dylan drive me to Warhausen very late at night and then getting Taco Bell will be the way I die. But until next time, Dylan can be found on Twitter at Dick and Stormy. Blake, where could they find you? At Blake A. Tanner on the Twitter, at the Darkroom Video on YouTube, whatever all that stuff is, all the stuff I do on the BS Network. This, a load of BS. Deviant. Catch me over there. Deviant. It's a space pirate story. It's an audio drama. Each episode's only 15 minutes. You can literally breeze through the entire season. We're up to episode 7 right now. You can breeze through the whole thing in probably like an hour and a half. It's a really great show. We're super proud of it. We're coming up on the season finale, and we'd love if you guys would join us on that crazy adventure. And to join me on Twitter at Scotty Mo, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. You can buy all my books on Amazon, and you can check out all the other programming, including Deviant, at a load of purebs.com Special thanks to Megaran for our theme song, Fighters. Check out Megaran. Check out all of his music. He's really great. He's a good friend of the show and uh, one of our most prolific uh, live show guests. Yes. Probably the most famous person I'm friends with. Although I do have DDP's phone number. I don't want to say how I got it, but I do have... That's probably the most famous person I have in my phone now because I jacked his number from some random human being. So, of course, remember to support the show and support Megaran. Leave us a review on iTunes and, as always, you can find us at aloadofpurebs.com. Step up to the merch table at merch.aloadofpurebs.com. Find us on Facebook, donate to the Patreon, subscribe on YouTube, and remember to follow us on Twitter at FightBoyShow Aiden English and help us with our whiskey book because when you're a fight boy, you're a fight boy for life!